Shalom. It's August 8, 2010. We are studying tradition. This is Lesson 7, entitled Knots, Tucked, or the Colors of the Rainbow. Before we start our study, let's open in prayer. Blessed are you, Adonai our God, King of the universe, who has sanctified us with his commandments and has commanded us to engross ourselves in the words of Torah. Please, Adonai, our God, sweeten the words of your Torah in our mouth and in the mouth of your people, the family of Israel. May we and our offspring and the offspring of your people, the house of Israel, all of us, know your name and study your Torah for its own sake. Blessed are you, Adonai, who teaches Torah to his people, Israel. Blessed are you, Adonai, our God, King of the universe, who has selected us from all the peoples and gave to us his Torah. Blessed are you, Adonai, giver of the Torah. Amen. From Numbers 15, 38 through 41. Speak to the children of Israel. Tell them to make tassels, tzitziot, on the corners, kanafi, of their garments throughout their generations, that they, and to put a blue thread, petil pechelet, in the tassels of the corners. And you shall have the tassel, tzitzit, that you may look upon it, and remember all the commandments of Adonai, and do them, and that you may not follow the harlotry to which your own heart and your own eyes are inclined, and that you may remember and do all the commandments, and be holy to your God. I am Adonai, your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt to be a God to you. I am Adonai, your God. Numbers fifteen thirty-eight through 41. Numbers 22.12 You shall make tassels gadil on the four corners arba kenof of the clothing of which you cover yourself. We have seen some traditions that were derived from commandments uh, in our study so far. We've also seen some traditions that uh, simply provide a how-to for clear commandments. The commandment of tassels or the commandment as it's called zitzit is of the latter. Uh, that is, that it is, uh, if, uh, as we're going to see, a fairly clear commandment. The how-to, uh, how to accomplish this commandment, is the, is the uh, uh, matter in question. The commandment is very clear and direct. There's no question that zitziot are supposed to be attached to our clothing. That's where scripture stops. We have many questions that scripture does not directly answer. And this is where the ancient tradition comes in. Some questions in the study. Questions to ask. What are zitziot? <clears throat> that is the plural. What is kanaf? That's the singular. Uh, the singular for zitziot would be zitzit. The uh, um, plural for kanaf would be kanafot. What is penil uh, techelet? How do these uh, obscure Hebrew words give us insight into the commandment of zitzit? There's another question. Is zitzit knotted strings? Is techelet blue? Where is the kanaf of a garment? Are zitzit my personal signature, a way to show my individuality? And should I wear zitzit at all time or only for prayer? 
some background on the tradition of zitzit uh, from traditional Judaism. Zitziot, I say, is the plural. Zitzit is the singular. Uh, it's most it's most often referred to simply as zitzit, uh, using the singular as opposed to the plural. As we saw, though, in in Deuteronomy, uh, excuse me, in Numbers fifteen thirty eight, it's the plural that's being used there, and then later on in the passage, it's the singular. They're one of the most recognizable things. Uh, for an, for an observant Jewish man that you might be able to recognize an observant Jewish man. When worn along with a kippah or yarmulke as some people call it, uh, they, they, they represent a, a form of uniform that identifies a man as one who keeps the commandments of Hashem or <coughs> in traditional Judaism, Shomer Shabbos uh, or Shomer Shabbat, someone who keeps the Sabbath. In other words, if you keep the Sabbath then you do all the other things as well. Traditionally, the traditional application of the commandment of Zitziot is to attach white and blue strings, or at least white strings, sometimes blue, knotted in a particular way to the corners of a talit, and that's a prayer shawl, and it's worn for morning prayers. Another uh, way of, uh, and sometimes at the, uh, at the same time of, of uh, keeping the traditional application for the commandment of Zitziot is to use the talit katan, which is like a small vest that's worn by men all the time, uh, from first thing in the morning until the last thing at night. Um, normally, men who wear uh, talit katan also use a, kadik, a talit gadol, or a, a prayer shawl, for, uh, for morning prayers. Tradition actually goes back to the days of the patriarchs. Uh, at least some form of the tradition. Go to uh, Genesis chapter 38, verse 15 through 18, and then I'll also read verses 24 through 26. Genesis 8, 38, 15. When Judah saw her, speaking of Tamar, he thought she was a harlot because she had covered her face. <clears throat> then he turned to her by the way and said, Please, come, and let, come, let me go into you. For he did not know that she was his daughter-in-law. So she, so she said, What will you give me that you may come into me? And he said, I will send a young goat from the flock. So she said, What will you give me as a pledge till you send it? And he said, What pledge shall I give you? So she said, Your signet cord and uh, your signet and cord. That is uh, petelecha, and it, uh, petelecha is the uh, is is the personal for a cord or a string, as we saw in uh, Numbers chapter fifteen. 38, a cord or a thread of string. So your signet and your cord and your staff that is in your hand. Then he gave them to her and he went into her and she conceived by him. And it came to pass about three months after that Judah was told, saying, Tamar, your daughter-in-law, has played the harlot. Furthermore, she is with child by harlotry. So Judah said, Bring her out and let her be burned. And when she was brought out, she sent to her father-in-law, saying, By the man to whom these belong, I am with child. And she said, Be pleased, determined... Whose these are, the signet and the cord, Peterlin, and staff. So Judah acknowledged them and said, She has been more righteous than I, because I did not give her Shelah, my son, and he never knew her again. This is the uh, very sad account of uh, Judah and Tamar, uh, Judah whose, uh, whose sons, uh, two in a row, uh, uh, did not, uh, did not uh, do well by Tamar and did not... Uh, uh, and Tamar never conceived and had had a uh, a son or a child, <clears throat> and Judah withheld his son Shelah from Tamar, as was as was uh, tradition that he uh, um, that the uh, son take on uh, a past son uh, past uh, a brother take on a past brother's wife. <clears throat> this was uh, 
later on would be would it be known as uh, Leverite marriage. <clears throat> but uh, Judah uh, uh, treated Tamar poorly, uh, and then Judah treated Tamar as if she were a harlot, not knowing it was his daughter-in-law, and uh, conceived by her, and and he, he left his, uh, uh, his a cord, a string or strings with her. It says a signet and a cord. In the ancient Near East, uh, the signet and a cord were uh, the signature of a man. Uh, if if uh, if he were to uh, um, sign something, he might uh, take his zitzit, his own personally tied zitzit that identified him, tied in his particular way, and print it in clay, and that would be his signature, as it were. So this is an ancient Near East practice that... Uh, that in Numbers 15, Hashem um, uses this, uh, this human uh, tradition, this human practice, and uh, 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 whether, it, it, whether it predates this or not, whether this was something that was uh, always uh, um, a truth that, uh, that Hashem passed on uh, uh, from Adam on, or whether this was something that adapting uh, what people were doing. We know that God speaks in the language of men, and he uses, uh, he uses uh, language to convey his truth. Uh, Numbers 15.38, the truth is, he tells them this is now a requirement uh, for all, uh, for the plural, the children of Israel. Um, in, the days of, in the days of Saul and David, we also, and we're going to look this up, the days of Saul and David, we also have a reference to the tradition. It's interesting that from the union of Judah and Tamar, we have the birth of Peretz, who is an ancestor, ancestor of King Messiah. Uh, and then uh, we will see that uh, in the times of Saul and David, we also have this reference to this tradition uh, um, of Zitzit. And uh, again, the line of Messiah being uh, coming from David. Uh, in the days of the first century, the zitzit were knotted and were attached to the four corners of the outermost garment, most likely a, an outer garment like a, uh, a garment to keep, uh, keep one warm or the, or, or, uh, uh, the dew or uh, uh, rain off of oneself. Uh, this outer mar- outermost garment, something like a poncho, uh, a rectangle with a hole uh, cut into it. Um, from the four corners, these zitzit were knotted and attached to it. Uh, the meaning of techelet uh, in the first century was considered to be a, a reference to sky color, e- either blue or purple, and it was used during. Uh, and techelet was in use during the first century, but by the time of the Talmud, that is uh, about 200 in the Common Era uh, through 500 of the Common Era, the knots and the strings had become very uniform. Uh, everybody was doing it uh, in the same way or close to the same way. We know in the first century there were at least two uh, variations for the way that the, uh, the, the, the number of strings and the number of windings. <laughs> but by the time of the Talmud, it was very uniform, uh, even by the different groups. But the dye for making the techelet, that, that, that blue or purple color, was not available. And we're told that in the, in the Babylonian Talmud, in uh, Menachot 43b, which says, uh, that you may look upon it and remember all the commandments of Hashem, this precept is equal to all the precepts together. And another barita, that is a t- traditional teaching taught, that you may look upon it and remember and do them. Looking, if leads, it leads to remembering the commandments, and remembering leads, them, leads to doing them. Uh, Rabbi uh, Shimon Bar Yochai says, 
Whoever is scrupulous in the observance of this precept is worthy to receive the divine presence, for it is written here that you may look on it, and that it is written, Thou shalt fear uh, Hashem thy God, and shalt th- him shalt thou serve. And, and then uh, continuing, it was taught that Rabbi Meir used to say, why is blue specified from all the other colors for this precept? Because blue represents the color of the sea, and the sea resembles the color of the sky, and the sky resembles the color of a sapphire, and a sapphire resembles the color of the throne of glory, as it is said. And there was under his thieves, as it were, a paved work of sapphire stone, and it, and it is also written, the likeness of a throne as the appearance of a sapphire stone. <coughs> So we see here from uh, Menachot 43b, first of all, the, the, uh, the recognition that it was to look upon and remember the commandments was the purpose for the Zitziot, but also that the color uh, was specified as blue or like the sea or like the sky. And, uh, <clears throat> however, the, uh, by the time of the, of the, uh, of the uh, um, Talmud, that, that very uh, dye to make the kalat was no longer... Uh, found uh, continuing in, in Menachot uh, in the next folio 44a says our rabbis taught that the hilason resembled that is, that is the animal that the dye came from resembled the sea in its color and its shape resembles a fish it appears once in 70 years and with its blood one dyes the blue thread and therefore it is so expensive from this we learn that the uh, um, that by the time of the Talmud, they no longer had the resources uh, or the resource, uh, the animal that it w- to make the the uh, dye that make it blue. The hilazon is believed by some to be a uh, a form of a uh, uh, a type of snail found uh, most often uh, found uh, um, in in the northern part of the land of Israel um, and the. Uh, uh, at others considered to be the cu- the cuttlefish, um, two different two different uh, understandings of the way to create tefillet from the blood of a sea animal. Um, the, the tradition says that the that the threads the, of of zitzit are the white threads are from flax or cotton, and that the tefillet thread is made from dyed wool. And, and thus the, the zitzit are mixed, like the priestly garments. They're mixed, flax and wool. And that comes from uh, Yevamot 4b, uh, from the Babylonian Talmud, which says, As to the Tana of the school of Rabbi Ishmael, is the reason why mingled stuff is permitted in zitzit, because the all-merciful, speaking of God, has written wool and linen. But if he had not done so, it would have been assumed that the all-merciful had forbidden two kinds of stuff in the zitzit. But surely it is written, and they shall make them fringes in the corners of their garments. And Atana of the school of Rabbi Ishmael taught, Wherever a garment is written, such is made of wool or flax is meant. And yet when the All-Merciful said that it is that, that in them purple shall be inserted, and here the, the uh, assumption by, Rab, the, by Rabbi Ishmael's school is that uh, Tehillet is purple in color, that purple shall be insulted, and purple surely is wool. And, and whence it is deduced that purple is wool, since linen is flax, purple must be wool. Uh, the argument being made here is that, that uh, zitzit in Numbers 15, that it is an automatic mixture of flax and wool, and the reason why is because uh, a flax or cotton uh, thread uh, would be could be white naturally and would not have to be uh, and wouldn't 
uh, it would not retain a dye easily. However, uh, as, as is known in ancient dyeing practices, it is very difficult to dye plant-based uh, uh, cloth, whereas a, uh, an animal-based cloth, such as wool, is much easier to dye. The dye bonds to the wool much easier. And so when he says that it is one should be, that he should have four, uh, that, that, that threads should have a thread of tefillet, then the assumption then is that the, that the threads uh, would not be tefillet, therefore they would be uh, plant-based or white, and the, uh, the tefillet then, the color would be either purple or blue, would be made out of wool, otherwise it wouldn't bond. That's the, that's the, the logic behind uh, Yevamot 4b and why one is wool and the others, <coughs> plural, are white. Tradition says that the white would be... Um, uh, w- would be a uh, um, uh, number of threads, and that whereas the blue, the kelet, would be singular. Um, the Talmud also uh, relieves women from, from time-based commandments. And a time-based commandment is a commandment that, uh, that, that seems to have some indication of time or season. And the reason why is, uh, or specifically time, and the reason why is because uh, it is assumed... Uh, whether whether our modern sensibilities like it or not, it is assumed that women will will be uh, will have to stop in the middle of something sometimes to care for a child that's crying or or something along those lines. And because of that, women are in the Talmud traditionally relieved from time-based commandments. And bezitzit is considered a time-based commandment because it uh, because it says the purpose is that you may look upon them. Obviously, in the early morning before the sun rises, you would not be able to see them. So the, t- so the wearing of zitzit traditionally is understood to only be when you could see them. Uh, and therefore, time-based, a, a woman would not be obligated to wear zitzit, according to the Talmud. <coughs> and when we look in, in uh, um, Menachot 43a... Uh, in the Babylonian, Babylonian Talmud, it gives us some insight into this. Uh, Rob Judah attached fringes to the aprons of the women of his household. Moreover, he used to say every morning the blessing, and thou hast commanded us to enwrap ourselves with the fringes. But since he attached the fringes to the women's garments, obviously is he of the pain that it is a precept not dependent on a fixed time. Why then did he say the blessing every morning? He follows Rabbi... Rabbi's view, and speaking of uh, uh, Rabbi uh, Yehuda Hanasi, or Judah the Prince, he follows Rabbi's view, for it was taught, whenever a man puts on the uh, tefillin, that is the, uh, what's known in English as phylacteries, he should make a blessing over them, says Rabbi. But if so, at any time of the day when he puts on the garment, he should say the blessing. Rob Judah was most decorous, was a most decorous person and would not take off his cloak the whole day long. Then why did he say the blessing in the morning? That it, that was when he changed from night clothes into day clothes. Our rabbis taught all must observe the law of tzitzit. Priests, Levites, and Israelites, proselytes, women, and slaves. Rabbi Shimon declares women exempt since it is a positive precept dependent on a fixed time. And women are exempt from all the positive precepts that are dependent on a fixed time. Rabbi Shimon declares women exempt. Why is Rabbi Shimon... What is Rabbi Shimon's reason? It was taught that you may look upon it. This excludes a night garment. You say it excludes a night garment, but perhaps it is not so, but it excludes rather a blind man's garment. The verse, when it says, where it, wherewith thou coverest thyself, clearly indicate, includes a blind man's garment. How then must they... 
must I explain the verse that you may look upon it as excluding a night garment? And why did you cho- why do you choose to include a blind man's garment and to exclude a night garment? Include a blind man's garment since it is looked upon by others. Whilst I exclude a night garment since it not be cannot be looked upon by others. <laughs> now all that logic is to say. This is the way the Talmud reads. It is a it is a book of logic. Its its real purpose uh, is to uh, get us to ask the questions of Scripture and to think in a in a measured and uh, and systematic way. Uh, the logic of the Talmud is not always uh, readily apparent. However, if one begins to study the Talmud, you can uh, you you begin to think and you begin to ask these types of questions, which is very very. Uh, productive because as the Talmud shows, a asking of questions will drive us back into Scripture to see if we can determine the answer. But here it's talking about this uh, the time-based commandments, and you can see that in the days of the Talmud there was a there was a certain uh, group within it that uh, considered uh, uh, the the uh, commandment of Zitzit as in, as applying to women, whereas Rabbi Shimon declares women exempt. And what we know is from traditional Judaism that Rabbi Shimon's halakha, his way of living out the commandments, actually was the, was the one that survived. Because uh, modern Judaism, with the exception of uh, conservative and uh, reform Judaism, which, which basically modified the traditions, modern, uh, all the way from uh, the time of the Talmud up, up through modern times, uh, Orthodox Judaism does not accept uh, women uh, as wearing zitzi. This just gives you the background on uh, on why people ask the question, uh, should women wear them or not? Traditionally, uh, in Orthodox Judaism, women do not wear zitzi. Um, the, ta- the Talmud also includes some hints about about the way that the knots are made, the thread count and the winding of the winding count in Menachot 41b, and it hints at a gematra that's there. A gematra is the uh, is the biblical method of assigning val- uh, value or teaching to numbers because all of the letters of the Hebrew alphabet are also numbers um, uh, obviously uh, reading the, uh, the the Hebrew scriptures in Hebrew uh, it's a series of both letters and or numbers <coughs> so there are uh, there are numbers involved in, in in the scriptures so it's Logical to assume that people would start begin to apply numbers as well. We we recognize that uh, certainly there is a, an opportunity for error in uh, in gematria or applying uh, numerology, but we also know that the scripture is very clear that numbers do play a role in reminding us of God's promises and also of of, uh, of God's uh, commandments. And in uh, Menachot 41b it says, our rabbis taught. How many threads must one insert? That Shemai, that is, those who follow the house of Shemai, those who follow Shemai's halakha, said four. But Bet Hillel says three. And how far must they hang down? That Shemai says four. Finger breaths. But Bet Hillel says three. And as for the three finger, finger breaths, said, stated by Bet Hillel, each must measure one-fourth part of the handbreadth of an ordinary person. 
Rabbi Papa said, the handbreadth of the Torah is equal to four times the width of the thumb, or six times the width of the middle finger, or five times the width of the middle of the middle finger. Now, this is a very precise measurement without the without going into metrics here. Here is a very precise measurement. Uh, it's interesting that Bet Shemai says that the seat should be longer uh, than Bet Halil, and uh, it also asks about the number of threads. Bet Shemai uses four. Bet Halil uses three. But it wasn't until uh, Rashi uh, in the uh, 12th century of the Common Era that we first get a detailed accounting of the gematria of Zitzit relating to the traditional enumeration of 613 commandments. We read in Numbers 15 clearly that the purpose for Zitziot is that you may look on them and remember my commandments. Uh, And yet, the number of windings or knots uh, did not necessarily... uh, uh, be clearly articulated until Rashi did in the 12th century. The Ashkenazi tradition, those coming from uh, northern, uh, those 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 uh, Jews who settled uh, in the diaspora in northern uh, Europe and uh, Asia, uh, use five knots with windings of seven, eight, eleven, and thirteen between the knots for a total of thirty-nine. Um, this is the this is the gematria uh, for Hashem Echad or uh, God's most holy name uh, Echad, which is the uh, beginning of the um, of the Shema. Uh, the Sephardi tradition, those who settled in the Mediterranean uh, and and Spain, uses five knots with windings of ten, five, uh, six, and and five, which is a total of twenty six. This is the gematria for uh, just, the, just Hashem's name itself, 26. Uh, Adam, uh, his uh, most holy name, which is made up of uh, four letters, uh, uh, Yod, Ahe, Avav, and Ahe. Uh, and this is uh, the gematria. So uh, the Sephardi, both the Ashkenazi and the Sephardi use a variation of, of uh, bringing God's most holy name into the, in the number of windings. Uh, tradition and the commandments share a single purpose. And I read part of that already in 44a, which says, it was taught, Rabbi Nathan said, there's not a single precept in the Torah, even the lightest, whose reward is not enjoyed in this world. And it is to its reward in the future world, I know not how great it is. Go and learn this from the precept of Zitzi. One, uh, uh, once, once a man who was very scrupulous about the precept of Zitzi heard of a certain harlot in one of the towns by the sea who accepted 400 gold dinars for her hire. He sent her 400 gold dinars and appointed a day with her. When the day arrived, he came and waited at her door, and her maid came and told her, The man who sent you 400 gold dinars is here and waiting at the door. To which she replied, Come, let him, let him come in. When he came in, she prepared for him seven beds, six of silver, one of gold, and each one bed, and of the... And between one bed and the other were steps of silver, but the last were of gold. She went up to the top bed and lay down upon it. He too went up after her in his desire to sit with her, when all of a sudden the four, the four fringes of his garment struck him across the face, whereupon he slipped off and sat upon the ground. She also slipped off and sat upon the ground and said, By the Roman capital I will not leave you alone till you tell me what blemish you saw on me. 
By the temple he replied, Never have I seen a woman as beautiful as you, but there is one precept which Hashem our God has commanded us. It is called Zitzi. And with regard to the expression, I am Hashem your God, is twice written, signifying I am he who will exact punishment in the future, and I am he who will give reward in the future. Now the Zitzi appeared to me as four witnesses, testifying against me. She said, I will not leave you until you tell me your name, the name of your town, the name of your teacher, the name of your school, to which you study the Torah. He wrote all this down and handed it to her. Thereupon she arose and divided her estate into three parts, one-third for the government, one-third to be distributed among the poor, and one-third she took with her in her hand. The bedclothes, however, she retained. She went to Bet Hamidrash, of the Beit Hamidrash of Rabbi Hiya, and he said to him, Master, give instructions about me that, I may, that, you, that they may make me a proselyte. My daughter, he replied, perhaps you have set your eyes on one of the disciples. She sat thereupon, took out the script and handed it to him. Go, and he said, and enjoy your acquisition. These very bedclothes which she had spread for the purpose, for him an illicit purpose, she now spread out for him lawfully. This is the reward or the precept in this world, and for its reward in the future world, I know not how great it is. Now this uh, kind of uh, ribald description of of, uh, how a zitzit kept a man from, uh, from, uh, uh, engaging in, in uh, immorality um, uh, may or may not be true. The, the point of it is, how, however, it goes back to the scripture where it speaks about that you may look at Numbers 15, that you may look upon it and remember all the commandments of Adonai and do them, that you may not follow the harlotry to which your own heart and your own eyes are inclined, and that you may remember and do all my commandments and be holy to your God. This account in Menachot 44a is attempting to uh, remind us of the scripture of uh, the Zitzi and the purpose for Zitzi in keeping us from sin. And it is this tradition and the commandments share the single purpose to see them and to remember the commandments. Zitzi are designed to guard us from sin. What does scripture say? We've looked at the tradition of Zitzi. What does scripture say? Uh, first of all, we, we read Numbers 15:38 through uh, 39 that the zitzit were to be placed on the borders. In English, it says the tassels placed on the corners of their garments, on the borders, and that they should also have a thread of tachelet. And they, their purpose was to see and to remember the commandments. We also read Deuteronomy 22:12, where the tassels, or excuse me, the fringes are called uh, they're called fringes in English, but they're gedlin. Uh, on the uh, four corners, uh, the Arba Kanefot. Uh, we, we saw in Numbers 15, the tassels are the word Zitziot, the plural from the word Zut, which means a blossom or a sparkle. Uh, it's, uh, it's interesting that the Hifil form of, uh, of Zut means to make the eye sparkle. Something catches your eye. Uh, and it is that same concept that is borne out in the Zitzi that you may look upon it. Uh, we will see that the Numbers 15 is written in the plural, so it means when other people, when you as a congregation look upon the Zitzi of each other, there's this uh, there's something catches the eye, reminds you. Uh, in Numbers 22, 12 the fringes, gedlin, is from the word gadal, uh, or gadol, big, mag- to, make mag- to magnify, to make big, to make 
to make supreme. Hence, gedolim are magnified. Uh, and the way that we get this idea that they're twisted is that how do you make a thread bigger? How do you magnify a thread? You twist it and knot it with other threads so it becomes bigger. So this is the concept of a twisting. Um, that gedolim is a twisting. So numbers, or excuse me, Deuteronomy 22.12, when it says fringes gedolim, it carries the concept of twisting or, or knotting. In Deuteronomy 22.12, it also talks about kanaf, uh, specifically in the plural, arba kanafot. Uh, kanafot are corners or uh, uh, edges, uh, but it says arba, so there's four corners. So we get the idea of a rectangle or a square, four corners. There's no debate about arba kanafot. It's not, it's, not, uh, um, uh, it's not belt loops, it's not... Um, it's not uh, uh, tied to uh, um, simply tied to, to a garment. It's tied to four corners, arba kenefot, four corners of a garment. Uh, number fifteen thirty-eight also uses the word kanaf uh, on the borders or on the corners of your garments. It doesn't tell us the number in Numbers fifteen, whereas Deuteronomy twenty-two tells us four corners. Uh, we, we looked up this word kanaf. Uh, the word zikit is used very rarely, other than the uh, the root uh, uh, zut and zit, which is also derivative. Uh, we know that in the temple, in the, uh, in the, in the uh, Solomon's temple, that the pillars inside the holy place were decorated with uh, one thing that it d- was decorated with was with zit or blossoms. Um, so there were blossoms carved on the pillars, zit. Um, uh, but other than that, we don't know a whole lot about zitzit from Scripture itself because they're mentioned very rarely. However, the word kanaf, or corners, gives us some insight into the tradition of zitzit. And we looked up a number of passages uh, to follow this, uh, uh, this um, concept. Uh, the first one we looked up was uh, Deuteronomy 22.30. Deuteronomy 22.30, which says... Uh, a man shall not take his father's wife, nor uncover his father's bed. Now the word here is uh, um, is is not bed; is father's skirt or kanaf, corner. So we, what we see is that uh, that it was being used, idiomatically being used. Kanaf here is being idiomatically being used to talk about uh, um, uh, a father's uh, what what a father owned or what was his possession uh, in a in a sexual way. That being his father's wife his his wife was for him alone uh, and because of that because of his authority because of his uh, his um, his uh, uh, relationship with his wife that kanaf was symbolic idiomatic of speaking of his of his wife so not uncover his father's kanaf uh, and, and the next one we looked at was Ruth 339 Ruth 39 where here the word in English is a skirt or a cloak. And, and uh, this is where Boaz, speaking to Ruth, says, And he said to her, Who are you? So she, Ruth, answered, I am Ruth, your maidservant. Take your maidservant under your wing, for you are a close relative. The wing here is kanaf. So we see that the word kanaf is being used again, idiomatically, take her under your wing. We use that in English all the time. Uh, take someone under your wing. It, it, we use it because it comes from the scripture. But in the idiom of, of Hebrew in, the, in this day, it, it spoke more of simply of, of uh, as we talk about, it, take someone under your wing, you provide for them, or whatever else. It's, it's more, 
a a uh, a under your wing is a relationship of protection, of of uh, provision, but most importantly, a covenant relationship, a relationship of husband and wife. And this is precisely what she is saying. Look in, uh, look in uh, the companion to this is found in Ruth 2.12 where it says, Hashem will repay your work and a full reward will be given to Hashem, by, by Hashem, God of Israel, under whose wing you have come for refuge. So he's saying, he's, he's relating this covenant relationship between um, uh, Ruth and, uh, and the God of Israel that Ruth is in a covenant relationship with the God of Israel. Come under his wing for refuge. Next place we looked up was 1 Samuel 15, verses 25 through 28. And verse 25 says, Now therefore, pardon my sin and return with me, that I may worship Adonai. But Samuel said to Saul, I will not return with you, for you have rejected the word of Adonai, and Adonai has rejected you for being king over Israel. And as Samuel turned around, around to go away, Saul seized the edge of his robe and tore it. So Samuel said to him, Adonai has torn the kingdom of Israel from you today and given it to, your na- to a neighbor of yours who is better than you. When it says Saul seized the edge of, Saul's, Saul seized the edge of Samuel's robe, it's the kanaf. And it's, this is, this is uh, symbolic. Saul reaches out, grabs Samuel's robe, and grabs the kanaf, and tears it. Samuel then turns around and says, this is a symbol that God has torn the kingdom from you. So again, we get this, this covenant relationship being, being brought into this uh, idea of the, the kanaf. Then we went to 1 Samuel 24, verses 4 through 11. Then the men of David said to him, This is the day which Adonai said to you, Behold, I will deliver your enemy into your hand, that you may do to him as it seems good to you. And David arose and secretly cut off a corner of Saul's robe. Now it happened afterward that David's heart troubled him, because he had cut Saul's robe. And he said to him, Hashem forbid that I should uh, do this thing to my master. Adonai's anointed to stretch out my hand against him seeing he is the anointed of Adonai so David restrained his servants with these words and did not allow them to rise against Saul and Saul got up from the cave and went on his way David also arose afterward went out of the cave and went and called out to Saul saying "My, uh, my lord the king when Saul looked behind him David stood with his face to the earth, bowed down. And David said to Saul, Why do you listen to the words of the men, saying, Indeed, David seeks your harm. Look this day, your eyes have seen that Adonai delivered you into my hand in the cave, and someone urged me to kill you, but my eyes spared you. And I said, I will not stretch out my hand against my Lord, for he is Adonai's anointed. But moreover, my father, see, see, the corner, kanaf of your robe in my hand, for in it I have cut off the kanaf of your robe, and did not kill you. Know and see that there is neither evil nor rebellion in my hand, that I have not sinned against you, yet you hunt my life to take it. It's interesting, David is disturbed afterwards. I mean, he spares his life, Saul's life, but he's disturbed that he even cut off the corner of his robe. Why? Because the corner, the kanaf, was symbolic of a covenant relationship with God. Allegiance to the Almighty. We see this again and again in the, in the tradition, especially the ancient tradition of the 
uh, tzitzit, and that is that they are a symbol of allegiance to the Almighty. <clears throat> Psalm 91, 3-5 Surely he shall deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the perilous pestilence. He shall cover you with his feathers and under his wings you shall take refuge. His truth shall be your shield and buckler. You shall not be afraid of the terror by night nor of the arrow that flies by day. Speaking of the covenant relationship between God and Israel, that God covers Israel with his feathers under his kanaf, his wings. Under his kanaf, Israel takes refuge. Ezekiel 16.8 When I passed by you, God speaking to Israel, when I passed by you again and looked upon you, indeed your time was the time of love. So I spread my wing over you and covered your nakedness, my kanaf. Yes, I swore an oath to you, and I entered into a covenant with you, and you became mine, says Adonai God. God uh, is in covenant relationship with Israel, covers Israel, covers Israel's shame with his kanaf. Zechariah 8.23 Thus says Adonai of hosts, In those days ten men from every language of the nations shall grasp the sleeve of a Jewish man, saying, Let us go with you, for we have heard that God is with you. Uh, this uh, prophetic uh, in Zechariah 8, this prophetic piece, talking about ten men of, of Gentile descent grabbing the kanaf of a Jewish man and saying, come, let us go with you for we have heard God is with you. Again, this, this holding on to the kanaf in the desire for a covenant relationship. And the last one that we looked up in the Tanakh was Malachi 4.2. But to you who fear my name, the Son of Righteousness shall rise with healing in his wings, and you shall go out and take and grow fat like stall-fed calves. Those who fear my name, the Son of Righteousness shall rise with healing in his kanafot. So here we see that this relationship between the Son of Righteousness and healing in his kanafot. And from that, we, we go and we look in the Septuagint, and the word for kanaf here, uh, kanafot, kanaf here, is uh, Kraspidori, uh, and we this is a, it is often translated border or hem in the apostolic scriptures. So this Greek word Kraspidori uh, uh, gives us a word that we can go into the apostolic scriptures and pull out and continue the search for kanaf or corners. The first one we find is Matthew nine twenty through twenty two. The word is translated hammer, border, in English. And suddenly a woman who had a flow of blood for 12 years came from behind him and touched the hem. That is that word that in Hebrew would be kanaf, the hem of his garment. For he said to herself, if only I may touch his garment, I, may be, I shall be made well. But Yeshua turned around and when he saw her said, be of good cheer, daughter. Your faith has made you well. And the woman was made well from that hour. Again in Matthew 14:35. Through 36. And when the men of that place recognized him, he sent, them, he sent out into all the surrounding region, brought to him all who were sick, and they begged him that they might go and touch the hem of his garment. And as many as touched it were made perfectly well. Touching the kanaf, touching the seat seat, made them well, as the woman who had the blood issue for 12 years. Mark 6.56 
wherever he, wherever he entered, into villages, cities, or the country. They laid the sick in the marketplaces and begged that he might just touch the hem of his garment. And as many as touched him were made well, touching the touching the kanafot, the, the corners of his garment. Going back to Malachi 4.2, in the prophecy, the son of righteousness shall arise, uh, Shemesh uh, Zedekah, Shemesh Zedekah, the son of righteousness shall arise with healing in his kanafot, healing in his wings, healing in his zitzit. Luke 8, 43-48, Forty-three for forty-eight. The account again of the woman with the, with the issue of blood. Now a woman having a flow of blood for twelve years, who had spent all of her livelihood on physicians and could not be healed by any, came from behind and touched the border of his garment. That same word, and immediately her flow of blood stopped. And Yeshua said, "Who touched me?" When all denied it, Peter and those with him said, "Master, the multitudes and throngs press you, and you say, who touched me?" But Yeshua said, "Someone touched me, and for I perceived power." going out from me. Now when the woman saw that she was not hidden, she came trembling and fallen down before him. She declared to him in the presence of all the, per- the, all the people the reason she had touched him, how she was healed immediately. And he said to her, Daughter, be of good cheer. Your faith has made you well. Go in peace. And there's this famous passage from Matthew 23.5 that we've read, uh, we read last week, which said, but all their works, speaking of some Pharisees, but all their works they do to be seen by men. They make their phylacteries broad and enlarge the borders of their garments, speaking of their seat. Interesting to note, from the Talmud, who had the long seat? The Talmud tells us that Bet Shemai made the point of making their seat long. Was that Halil did not. And that's from Menachot uh, 41b. Tells us that Bet Halil did not make their Zitzit long. Was Yeshua taking on the Shemaiites? Bet Shemai? In Matthew chapter 23? Some believe that's true. And that the vast majority of the things that he's being critical are coming from Bet Shemai. Um, and their traditions. Here's the test of tradition questions. Does this tradition, that is, how to make tassels, in helping keep one commandment obscure a more important commandment? Does this tradition, how to make tassels, turn us away from the commandments? Does this tradition, how to make tassels, deny Yeshua as Messiah? Does this tradition, how to make tassels, cause division between Jew and Gentile? Does this tradition, or rejecting of this tradition, make us distinct, different from greater Israel? If you could say no to all those, does this tradition unnecessarily burden us? Are there other ways that we can keep the commandment? In summary, Numbers 15, 38 through 39, the you, you shall make, you shall make zidziot and for your garments, you shall look upon them. Those yous are plural. That you may look upon it and remember all, all the commandments. It's not singular, it's plural. It means that the purpose for zitzit is not for the wearer, but for the ones who see the wearer. 
we're supposed to be looking at each other's zitzit and remembering his commandments. That makes it much more difficult for folks to think that zitzit are a personal statement, our signature, or that we should attach them to belt loops instead of attaching them to corners. Or that they should be the colors of the rainbow, knotting them in our own particular special way. The blue, or purple as it's mentioned, is supposed to be the color. No other colors are mentioned. The plural you indicates this is a corporate commandment. It's not something we're free to make up as, a, as we go along. It's something of part of being in a, in a community, in a local community, in even a greater community. If I see zitzit and don't know their zitzit, how does that remind me of the commandments? We're not speaking about uniformity or a rigid uniformity. We're speaking about something that is recognizable. And this is why the corporate commandment for Zitzit is not something we should take lightly and treat as if it's our own commandment. That we can do it any way that we want, personally. Thus says Adonai of hosts, Adonai Tsevaot, in those days, ten men from angry, every language of the nation shall grasp the sleeve of a Jewish man saying let us go with you for we have heard that God is with you. Zechariah 8.23 Prayer focus for this week's lesson was the donning of Zitzi. The first is the donning of Talikatan the small uh, best-like Garment. Blessed are you, Adonai, our God, King of the universe, who has sanctified us with his commandments and commanded us regarding the commandment of Zitzit. That's from the Art Scroll, Complete Siddur, page 3. The donning of the Talit Gadol, from Art Scroll, Complete Siddur, pages 3 and 4. Blessed Adonai, O my soul. Adonai, my God, you are very great. You have donned majesty and splendor cloaked in light as with a garment, stretching out the heavens like a curtain. Blessed are you, Adonai, our God, King of the universe, who has sanctified us with his commandments and commanded us to wrap ourselves in zitzit. How precious are your, how precious is your kindness, O God. The sons of men take refuge in the shadow of your wings. May they be sated from the abundance of your house and may you give them to drink from the stream of your delights. For with you is the source of life by your light, we shall see light. Extend your kindness to those who know you and your charity to the upright of heart. Let's close in prayer. We thank you, O Adonai, our God, that you have established our portion with those who dwell in the study hall. And you have not established our portion with idlers. For we arise early and they arise early. We arise for words of Torah. And they arise early for idle words. We toil and they toil. We toil and receive reward and they toil and do not receive reward. We run and they run. We run to the life of the world to come. And they run to the pit of destruction. As it is written, And you, O God, 
You will lower them into the well of destruction. Men of bloodshed and deceit shall not live out half their days. But as for me, I will trust in you. Shalom.